Hello everyone and welcome back to episode number seven. Today we've got a very special guest. Dun, da, da, dun. My dad. Yes, today we've got my dad, Dean Wallace, on the show. And before you think, hang on a second, Ben, have you run out of guests? A little bit, but more importantly, he's got experience in amateur dramatics. Yes, so he's performed a lot in amateur dramatics over the past 14 years. He's acted and co-directed in lots of full plays, one-act plays. He's performed locally and in larger theatres. He was the chairman of his local group, The Longton Players, for a long time. He's won awards for his acting role in the one-act play festival and for writing, producing, co-directing and acting in his own rendition of Sherlock Holmes. So we're going to talk a little bit about his experience on stage, as well as learn a little bit more about amateur dramatics, whether it's a thriving or dying art, what are the benefits of amateur dramatics, and how you can get into amateur dramatics and not just acting. Also, what he did on stage when he forgot his lines. So we've got a very, very cool episode lined up today. I'm sure you'll enjoy it and listen to my dad talk. And remember, this podcast is a fundraiser for mine. Please, if you'd like to give to them, go to justgiving.com slash fundraising slash Ben's Learning Lounge. One more time, that's justgiving.com slash fundraising slash Ben's Learning Lounge. It's an absolutely great service, provides a lot of help for a lot of people around the country, and I couldn't recommend them more. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Ben's Learning Lounge. I'm now here with Dean, or my dad as I know him. Great to have you here, my dad. Hi, yeah. yeah, it's great to be here, Ben. Obviously, we're going to be talking a bit about amateur dramatics. And I think one of the first things I want to get out the way is, what actually is amateur dramatics? Uh, well, it's, I guess, when, when we think of actors and uh, we think of you know movies and the sort of media that they're involved in, most of those people are paid professionals, so they do that for a living. Uh, amateur stuff, uh, amateur acting, like any, any amateur endeavour, is something which is done on a, normally on a, on a, on a non-paid basis, and generally people do it because because of a deep interest they've got in a particular thing, and they do it uh, alongside um, or other than their sort of main main occupation. So, so I guess that's a, that's a difference between amateur and professional. Uh, amateur actually means somebody told me I don't know whether this is true or not, but somebody told me that the word amateur is. From the, you know, I think it's derived from the Latin or something, and it means uh, for the love of it. So um, do it for the love of it. So yeah. not to be confused with bad. <laughs> no, 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 not to be confused. Although some amateur stuff is is poor. <laughs> well, what are the sort of benefits? for people going to actually watch amateur dramatics than just a professional performance. I mean, the first things first, I can imagine it'd be cheaper, right? Yeah, it's cheap. Well, yeah, it is cheaper. Um, so the amateur dramatics company that I'm part of, which is called the Longton Players, we charge, uh, we watch £7, I think it's gone, so it's like £8 ticket now. It's £8, £8, you know, it's 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 not an awful lot really to pay for what is an evening's entertainment. And we'll normally have a bar on and there'll be, there'll be a raffle there and, you get a program for that price, and you might even get a free drink, depending on on on, on what we, we we happen to be what the sort of evening that we, that we happen to be uh, structuring it around. So so yeah, it's uh, it's cheaper. And in terms of the benefits of going along to see it, well, you, you know, let's let's face it, it's it's uh, people who go to these sorts of productions will probably be be aware or have friends or connections or associations to the group. Uh, or and to the audience that are going to see the group, so it's 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 kind of friendly and cosy, and uh, and because of the, the the size of the spaces as well, I mean, generally you're not looking at getting more than about 140 people in in a in a in a typical amateur dramatics venue, uh, then it's quite intimate too. So people get that community feel, they get that connection with the people in the audience. There's obviously a connection and association with uh, with if they know anybody that's in the production. 
Um, so, um, and I think it's just generally good for the community too. It's it's a good community activity um, that uh, that does help to bring the community together. I think if I had to add anything to that as well, uh, perhaps a benefit of amateur dramatics, because obviously I've I've seen you perform uh, a few times in the past few years and and been a part of a couple of things myself. But I'd... yeah, I've had to dodge. I've had to, I've had to, dodge, to uh, dodge those rotten eggs, but I haven't <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't definitely wasn't aiming for you. Yeah, no, but there's perhaps also an, another interest within it is that there's that sort of ability to maybe be a little bit more riskier when it comes to amateur dramatics. I mean, there's a lot less money to lose if the performance goes wrong, right? I mean, you know, it also gives people a chance. I mean, you've performed your, your Sherlock Holmes thing before, uh, which, you know, I yeah. believe ended up winning some kind of award. And yeah, perhaps right. those yeah. those uh, opportunities wouldn't be available or perhaps those risks wouldn't be as explored on, on the big stage. Yeah, I, I, I completely. So, uh, and that's the, you've you've hit on a really important point there. So, um, so one of the benefits, well, first of all, you're absolutely right in terms of the risk and the financial outlay and things like that. Normally, automatic societies have got you know their own budget. Uh, it, it it generally wouldn't be more than sort of more than a few thousand pounds in the associations uh, or in the group's budget at any one time. And to put on any put on a production can range from sort of thousand pounds up to about five thousand pounds depends depending on the scale of the production generally in, in, in amateur dramatic venues. So so it's so it's not such a risk because it's not a huge outlay and ticket sales uh, normally um, recoup recoup at least twice as much uh, uh, as as the outlay spent per per any production. And that, I guess, is even with an average audience numbers. That's not necessarily with four houses. So the financial outlay is not so great. But a real benefit and a real advantage, which you've just touched on there, I guess, is the is the um, in some ways, I guess, is the, is the scope for actors uh, and indeed for for directors and for people who are interested in writing to get their stuff on on stage to to make it tangible and to make it real. So in my case, I guess I've done a bit of writing. Maybe we can maybe talk about that uh, further down. Further down the interview, in terms of, of the performing itself, I've been lucky enough to be because uh, I've been involved for about twelve years in amateur dramatics. And I've been lucky enough to play prominent parts or lead parts in you know in a number of different plays. So uh, and, and these are opportunities that I would I would just never have, have gotten really if I'd have been if I'd been a professional actor, I'd be scraping around trying yeah. to get uh, you know parts in, in adverts maybe or, or very small parts in in maybe a, I don't know Hollyoaks or, or Coronation Street or whatever it can you know so generally actors at the lower tier they tend to most actors this is by the way because they're only a very small percentage of of the massive actors uh, are actually in the, in the sort of top tier and tend and generally tend to get the roles so the other actors uh, they kind of get get the, get the scraps to get a line here an appearance there an advert maybe once a year a bit of voiceover work or whatever and again so it's so for those people or in my opinion those people who are professional and who are sort of scraping by and and trying to be diligent and sticking to it and hoping one day that their break will come mm. which in many cases it really never does but those people I think must be terribly frustrated and unfulfilled because they will have gone into acting primarily you would think because they they enjoy and they want to uh, be able to um, create characters and uh, create personas and to and to enjoy playing different parts and, and all of these sorts of things 
But in actuality, that doesn't end up being the case if they commit themselves to the professional route and they're a lower tier actor. Um, uh, so, so in amateur dramatics, <clears throat> you have the opportunity, okay, much smaller audiences and what have you, but just talked about the coziness and the intimacy and, and the community feel, so it's quite a nice, quite a nice sort of comfortable environment. But there's a huge opportunity to get into really meaty roles, things that you would never or have, a, have a, an extremely slim chance of being involved in if, if you weren't in amateur dramatics. And certainly I've, I've been able to exploit those opportunities you know, in, in the stuff that I've done and I've really, really enjoyed it. Well, yeah, I've seen as well that you've played a couple of Yorkshiremen before. I think you've played a couple of Scousers. There is that range ability, uh, a range available, sorry, when it comes to um, amateur dramatics. In your own personal case, would you say how much of it is finding opportunities to be someone else entirely? Uh, what you mean in terms of, of of the pool of amateur dramatics or the well i mean sort of like do you try and stick to a similar character than you've done before personally or do you try and mm. find an active yeah. opportunity to be someone else entirely that you've never never been into before i see yeah no it's a, it's a really good question that actually the different sort of actors do it in different ways so there are there are what you call character actors uh, and then there's actors that rely basically on their own persona and they just go through different versions of the, of the or they apply the persona to different to different characters so if you think about professional actors uh, you, you might think about i don't know let's say uh well, i was going to say john wayne but i, I don't think that your <laughs> audience though the people listen to this one no, who I, is. <laughs> no i think you're a little bit out of date <laughs> So some of the classic actors like uh, I don't know, maybe 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 Tom Cruise then or uh, maybe he's a little bit uh, he's a little bit better uh, yeah maybe well Roger Moore they might have heard of Roger Moore he, he was James yeah. Bond uh, a few decades ago <laughs> <laughs> so so the thing is I don't know that many actors that that many contemporary actors there because you know I'm an old fashioned kind of a person oh I know the faces but I might not know the yeah. names but um, but anyway what I'm saying is that there are, there are some people who rely on the personalities. And they are hired for the personalities because audience well, like the, the, the like big example, at least I can think of, if I'm thinking on the right lines here, is someone like Johnny Depp. Yeah, 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 that's right, exactly, Johnny Depp. Somebody like that, um, somebody who uh, who has got a distinctive, uh, his own distinctive character, and applies that character um, to to different situations. Or who's that guy in uh, Meet the Falcons? Adam, Adam, not Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller, yeah. Uh, Adam uh, Sandler uh, as well, though, actually. Adam Sandler, and there's a guy um, who plays Elf. Yeah, uh, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, I think he, I think he does the same sort. Of, so there's, so there's, there's a plethora of actors who, who kind of do that sort of thing. But then there's the character actors, and character actors are the sort of actors that that really like to to be different characters with each mm. with each uh, with each different project that they're involved in, whether it be a TV series or a film or, or, or whatever it is. Um, and uh, and I think for myself, I, I'm more of a character actor because I enjoy playing those different parts, uh, playing different characters, different people, different you know people from different regions, different countries, different ac- accents, different uh, perspectives. Um, so so for me, that's a really enjoyable part, and it's it's interesting getting ready for a part like that because of course. You, know, you always remember when you're doing amateur dramatics that people are, you know, might only be eight pounds, but eight pounds, eight pounds at the end of the day, and, and so people are paying good money to come and see you. So you you, you want to do everything possible uh, within your power uh, to to make that a credible and enjoyable and entertaining performance. So for me, a big part of that is making sure that whatever character I'm playing, that uh, it comes across as convincing and as credible 
and as entertaining as, as, as it possibly can do. So I put a lot of time in the preparation, not just learning the lines, but in the preparation of the, of the character as well. If you're putting all that preparation in uh, and you've been doing it for a few years, do you still get stage fright before a, before a show or do you, do you still get the nerves at least? Yeah, well, yeah, I've never really had stage stage fright really because I think stage fright is like... Um, that's an ex- that's like an acute and an, an extreme reaction, isn't it? And, and I, I've known people who, who who have had that, um, and certainly I've 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 been uh, I've I've been you know exceptionally nervous at times. Um, but in terms of, of of nowadays, I get nervous. You get anxious. You you know you're always a, a bit anxious about the performance and uh, and really critically about whether you're going to be able to remember your lines essentially. Now. There was one time, by the way, but I, I did actually forget my lines, and it was uh, it was a, in a play called When We Are Married, and I was playing a Yorkshireman. So I was like 31 at the time. This was about 12, 12 years ago, <clears throat> or 11 years ago. I was playing this Yorkshireman, and uh, he was supposed to be in his 60s, and uh, so I had to grow up like a bushy sort of beard for it. Um, I'm trying to look like somebody who's considerably older than, than me, which if you've seen, well, you, you know about my youthful look, so it was... It was pretty difficult for me to. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? Took a lot. Yeah, of me. you wouldn't think with with the fact that you're bringing up Roger Moore as the most recent example you had, you wouldn't believe that you're in your forties. I am, I am, but I've got a baby face and, and I look more like uh, twenty four than four than forty four. But anyway, all right. <laughs> so it, it took a great feat of, of makeup and things to try to get me looking uh, considerably older than than I was. But anyway, managed to do that. I was playing this 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 Yorkshire character. And uh, and in part of it, he gives like uh, he gives like a few speeches in this play. But in part of it, he's giving uh, one particular speech, and his wife's on stage with him. And uh, I can't remember what he's saying to his wife. It was quite a long time ago, um, but it was quite a profoundish sort of thing as well. And um, anyway, I was saying the lines. Well, I was you know I was, I was acting the part rather than saying the lines. And then at one point when I was when I was speaking, and uh, I, I, I thought I thought. Goodness me, I, I, I don't know what's, what I've got to say next. I don't know what's coming up next. So I was, I was thinking yeah. this as I was simultaneously saying the lines that I, that I did know, but I knew that in a, in a few seconds, I didn't know what the next lines were. I just couldn't grab them from the kind of fog of, of my mind, which did seem to sort of fog over. So, um, and I remember when I got to that, I, I just hoped that when I got to the point where I had to say it, that, that my memory would kick in, my reflexes would kick in, and I would just say it. And, uh, but anyway, I got to the point, and, uh, and I didn't know, I still didn't know the lines. <laughs> oh, clue. no. So it was a terrible feeling. It really was, because... Uh, yeah, because you got all the eyes on you. Oh, yeah, you have, yeah. All those, all those people all sitting there watching you, watching you, expectant. So there was a little bit of a pause for maybe a, a second or two, not, not much at all. But then I just carried on, and I just carried on. Uh, with anything like I was trying to knit things together from kind of the kind of things that the guy had said previously <laughs> or might say further on in the play or the, the same things in the same sort of accent and the, you know all these sorts just kinda, of things. You're just kind of you're just sort of improvising on the spot. Yeah, you got to improvise on the on the spot. Uh, and and uh, but it was terrible because although I was I kept saying stuff which which was good. Um, I knew I, I was thinking, am I ever going to be able to get back to, to the lines I should be speaking? Because if I can't, what, I'm going to have what's going to happen to the rest yeah, of the play. Of course. <laughs> Nobody knows when to come in and they're on their queue or when I've got to leave or anything like that. I could mess up the whole story. I could jump yeah. ahead five pages. So, and also physically as well. Like uh, I remember uh, 
horrible sick feeling in my stomach and uh, there's that feeling about just wanting to kind of be feeling small and things and, uh, and wanting the state yeah. to sort of swallow you up and then you be just sweat that to glisten on your brow i can imagine too because all these things happen you know it feels i suppose it would feel on stage like it's 10 minutes when really it's just a few seconds right just a few seconds yeah so i was lucky because eventually after all my mumbling and not mumbling and fumbling that's that's that that was myself a disservice but after my vaguely credible improvisation spiel spiel yeah i managed to get i managed to get back to where i should be and when i did remember the line i was so happy i was, have you seen back to the future ben i have yeah yeah, so I was so happy. So um, do you remember there was a scene in, 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 in a, there was Michael J. Fox and and he's and he's yeah. he's looking at it, he's playing the guitar on stage, and he's and he's there's a picture of him with his family or something on the guitar, and because yeah. of this time element that's involved in this film, he was sort of fading out. He was he was he was fading out because he thought he died or something. And as he was fading yeah. out, he gets weaker and weaker, and he's kind of leaning over the, with the guitar and starting to get more transparent and obviously you know he's, he's about to sort of fade away and then something happens and the, the and the and the pitch just appears straight away nice and clear and crisp and he kind of jumps up and he's he's there back again the energy's back in the room and that's exactly how Talk i about felt. putting the word dramatic and amateur dramatics i know i know but that's honestly that's always that was, that was how, I, how i felt it's like oh goodness yeah. me thank god for on that. that sort of level though because we're talking about Obviously, when you're on stage, you've got all these people looking at you. You can you can make mistakes and you have to improvise. Is improvisation, is that sort of a big part of being on stage? I mean, I know you have the scripts and things, but how often does, does improv come into your performance? Well, it doesn't come in that often because um, because amateur dramatic productions are normally done over maybe four to six nights. So what I'm saying is that they're not long runs. You know, if you go to, to theatre productions, even when they move around and things, they've normally been going for, uh, or they aim to be to, to play for as long as possible. So sometimes you've got actors that are played in plays for like hundred, you know, hundreds of times. <laughs> you know, so those actors yeah. they know what their what their lines are. They they just know them. You know, just in the in the fibre of the beings. They've not even got to remember them or anything anymore. Um, so that means that they that, that they are more confident in, in what they're saying, of course. And quite often, you know, in the case of there was a guy called Jeremy Brett, and he played Sherlock Holmes, uh, which is one of my one of my favourite characters back in the eighties and early nineties. But he did a play as well, um, a Sherlock Holmes play, and uh, I was reading a, a book in which a fellow actor uh, said that sometimes, you know, Jeremy, after many performances. He got he got bored, you know. He 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 got he get bored and and he'd just go off on tangents and in, in, in speeches, saying things that just weren't in the script. And the other guy would be just like you know thinking, what what the hell is he doing? And he'd just be kind of trying to react to what Jeremy was saying and just trying to go along with it. But sometimes he'd just go completely completely in a different direction. So yeah. he was obviously improvising there, and he was improvising for his own amusement. And also, there's a bit of a challenge about improvising as well, and get a bit of a kick out of it. But the reason I, I mention that is because in amateur dramatics, because it's a much shorter run, that concern about your lines and that level of confidence with the audience, it, it doesn't it doesn't reach that peak where you're, where you're confident enough to start diverting or diverging from the script uh, or even wanting to diverge from the script. All you want to do is stay on script. 
and make sure that uh, make sure the production goes well. But there, there sometimes has to be improvisation, like when, when you know people sometimes yeah. do forget lines or forget to come in on, on, on a queue or whatever it might be, um, or say the wrong thing, and, and you do have to kind of slightly adjust for that. But it's never too much of an adjust, uh, of an adjustment. Uh, another area of interest and sort of bouncing off that, you know, you do have to stick to your script quite a lot in amateur dramatics and over the few nights, and I can manage. It does get a bit repetitive, and it's quite difficult to learn the lines. So we've talked about sort of the benefits of, of going to see amateur dramatics, but what would you say are the benefits of being a part of a performance? I mean, I assume, and, and you included, everyone who's involved with amateur dramatics really tends to have a full-time job on top of it. So it's quite a commitment, you know, over those weeks to, to dedicate yourself to a performance. So what would you say is they kick people are getting out of being a part of it? Well, I think, um, you know, I think there are, there are a number of, of different things that people get out of it. First and foremost, I guess, let's face it, you know, we are social animals, aren't we humans? We, are, we, we like to socialise. Yeah. And to socialise is in some ways a, a skill. And uh, and the more you, you're able to socialise with different people in different situations, uh, the more you develop that skill. And uh, by extension, arguably, the more successful and fulfilled you are as a, as a person. Now, I know talking a bit philosophically there, but, uh, but, but you know, still in all, I think that's a, a a worthwhile thing to, to sort of highlight. So, so, so there's that element to it. But um, you know, in terms of of the of of what else you get out of it, obviously, let's face it, one of the, the biggest primary motivators is the enjoyment factor. You know, I said that uh, amateurs, you do something for the love of it. Well, and you mentioned before about about um, stage fright, what have you, and, and the anxiousness and the, the nervousness, or, or rather. And so, so yeah, there is that. But then, once you, then when when you're on stage and it's going well and you're acting well and you're in the part and you're kind of in the zone and everybody's acting well around you and the audience are responding to it well and that's a fantastic feeling. That's just a, a great feeling that really does transport you from uh, from the reality of everyday existence. Not to say that existence is any way bad or anything, but it transports you from one reality to a yeah. completely different a different reality which becomes more real because you're actually you're actually playing it out you, you're doing it and you're getting the kick from it so uh, you're getting the re the actions from the audience and from the people around you so so that that's an immense benefit because of the of the of the way you feel afterwards and, and, and when you're doing the performances other than that you know you've got the um the camaraderie you know i said about socializing with people and that's that's one point but as part of that you've got a camaraderie with the people that that you that you're working with you you're all this yeah. thing the government sort of say sometimes and they've been saying it a bit recently with the covid thing but they were saying it in in terms of when we were in austerity uh, measures you know we're all in it together sort of thing well that's very true of, of, of groups of people who were who were involved in many different and, uh, endeavors and obviously amateurs included there is a small group of you relatively you're involved in in, in in something that you hope will be successful but you don't know whether it's going to going to be so there's a challenge there you know you each need to play a part you, you know, you've got to roll your sleeves up and, and get on with it quite often you've got to do a number of other things as well even when you might yeah. be even if you're the, the lead actor you might have to you might be involved in painting the sets or uh, selling tickets or publicity and marketing for the production and and indeed you know i was on the the chair i was on the the um uh, the committee for the players uh, so this is the the committee is that is the you know, sure. Don't mean to patronise patronise your listeners, but the committee is there's a small group of people from the wider membership that basically manage uh, manage the group. So you, you might be involved involved in that and involved in involved in managing the society as well as the particular production. So um, so there's there's there are benefits as well as 
to the, yeah, the benefits as well as as well as burdens, I guess, or obligations to put it a better way involved in Amsmax. I don't want to put words in your mouth as well, but if I had to add to your benefits too, I think it's also if you are sort of on stage and uh, it sort of gives you that ability to maybe pay homage to performances or actors that you personally admire. I mean, in your case, you, you've done sort of a, a script writing thing to, to Sherlock Holmes, uh, putting him in one of the stories as, as you're a big fan of Jeremy Brett and Sherlock. And on top of that too, you've also done your performances, your sort of cabaret performances as, as Noel Coward. So I suppose also not only is it the entertainment value of playing someone else and knowing that everything's going well, but also that ability to, to pay homage to people which have maybe influenced you know your own interests in within the acting realm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And in many ways, um, you know, when you're playing a character, I think there's very little in the world that's original. So, you, you, so the influences that you've got, even if they're subconscious, they will make the way into your, into your performances. So, in terms of the Sherlock Holmes uh, thing, I was influenced by the way Jeremy Brett wrote it. Uh, Jeremy Brett played Sherlock Holmes, which was that very successful series quite a number of years ago. And that play that that, that I wrote, because I'm a big fan of Sherlock Holmes, I read, read all the stories several times. So I put this play together, I produced it, I acted in it, um, and obviously I wrote the script. So, yeah, and it was really successful, won awards at the uh, the national, there's a big association called NODA, which is an affiliation of, you know, thousands of different uh, dramatic societies across the country, and they do their own award ceremonies and all this sort of stuff, and you, the, you, your, your productions get judged. So uh, Sherlock Holmes was, uh, was, was nominated for Best Play of the Year, which is back in 2017. Uh, we went to a big award ceremony uh, uh, and uh, the Hilton Hotel, and um, wow. uh, we, we won a number of awards. We were nominated in a number of different categories, so... Um, we won for best director, so the the person John Ellis it was directed that. I won I won an award for best script because I'd written the script, and that was an award that they'd never given out before because people don't generally write write the scripts. Yes. They, they, they generally uh, they generally acquire them, you know, from existing scripts. So I won uh, the best the best script, and we won a number of other awards for that particular for that particular show as well. So so yeah, you're right. You know, it gives people an opportunity to to, to write about or perform or direct or get involved in you know, one way or another. This, this the sorts of interest areas that that they've got. I mean, the no power thing. I, I did that uh, as you know, Ben, because you helped me with it, didn't you? Yeah, I was part uh, of it doing the uh, yeah, what was it, uh, sound that. and all that. Yeah, you're doing all the technical stuff. Uh, and I've been I've been knackered about you. Imagine I start to sing and no music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was ready uh, to be a backup singer in case you fainted as well on stage. Backup singer. Yeah. That would have been good. Um, so so I did that. You know, I like Mill Coward, and uh, again, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are thinking, no Lou. <laughs> uh, if you if you if, you, if no Leopards. No Leopards. <laughs> I haven't got a prickly bottom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that. By the way, was a reference to uh, to to the to the place that he had. It was a place called Crinkly Bottom that was on his show. But anyway, so um, there's a couple of older people, I'm sure, laughing at that one. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe they're there. Maybe let's face it, they probably aren't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I, I did that. You know, you know, if you look at Noel Coward, people they look, they can look him up and they can see. Uh, you know, he had an immense influence. In the in the early part of, uh, of the 20th century, and in English and national and uh, sorry international entertainment as well. So yeah, there are lots of influences. There's the ability to 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 play things that that you want to do. One of the um, just before I finish on this last bit, the kind of more bizarre influences that I had. I, was, I had to play a character once, and uh, this character was supposed to be like 
kind of a bit of a rusty sort of Englishman kind of a uh, bit rustic and um, but upper class as well to an extent. When I started doing the when I started developing the character and doing the voice, very soon into it, the, the voice that sort of came out and the influence that I had was that of um, there's a character called the Major in Faulty Towers. So I was actually I was actually uh, in some ways kind of you know, taking the major off in forty towers, <laughs> and uh, a few people in the audience said, "You, you were the major, weren't you? That's what, that's what you're you playing. Have you seen forty towers?" <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, yeah, that was one of the more bizarre. I suppose you do, don't you? You, you take, uh, you take inspirations, like you said, from either subconsciously or consciously yeah. from bits and things that you've seen, and I suppose in a way that's that's rewarding of itself to use the, those little bits of uh, influences that you've had to turn it into something creative and new. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, you're quite right. Uh, you're, you're on tip too. If people are listening to this and they're thinking it all sounds interesting and they've heard about uh, even these potential awards that, that are available, which also gives people motivation when they're in the field, I suppose, to keep on improving and to keep be- getting better. What is the route to get into amateur dramatics? Is there like an audition period? Is there, Can you go in with any experience at all or do you need some background? You know, from your knowledge, how is it to get into the field? Yeah, well, first and foremost, I think there are plenty of amateur dramatics uh, companies around. So, um, you know, I think actually i think um, i think where, where where i am at the moment in lancashire in england i think it's one of the most highly populated counties with uh, amateur societies so uh, but but they're, but they're spread i mean there must be in excess of about three thousand you know uk wide uh, so the laws be one near you but in terms of like going along and, and getting involved it differs so sometimes you've got to go along when people that they do the invite auditions like open auditions but most of the time it's just a matter of just getting involved, getting in contact with them either through facebook or website or, or whatever it is whatever their contact routes are and saying that you're interested and most of these places will welcome you with, op- with open arms and actually especially if you're younger because generally speaking the people that have been involved in amateurmatics or let's face it have got the time maybe more time to get involved in amateurmatics um, are people who are, who are a bit older so there's there's the demographic in amateurmatics is is skewed towards the older end mm. in our company that, 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 that i'm in the long-term players that's not so much the case but uh, but in other companies it, it can be the case. So they are in want of of of, uh, of people who are who are younger, who are enthusiastic. They've got energy and, and, and they've got and, and you know they've got um, uh, they've got potential and they've got ideas and all this sort of sort of thing. So uh, so yeah, find out find out you know where where your closest one is uh, or where you where the ones in your area are. Contact them and I'm sure you'll be invited. Uh, along um, at the next at the next opportunity, and don't worry about experience. You can do anything. You don't have to do acting, even if you don't want to do acting. That is, if you do, I'm sure that they welcome you. But you know, if you wanted to just paint the set or sell the tickets or do the lighting, help do the lighting or or whatever it may be, um, uh, you know, uh, there, there, there will be opportunities. That's there. great stuff. I think there's going to be maybe some people now who think that they have something to do once this quarantine's over, something to get get into, you know, a new hobby. It's a great time, I suppose. Yeah, no, yeah, I think I think it is. I think it is. Amateur dramatics is, is, I think it's enjoyed a fairly stable, if not an upward curve in terms of of its activity. So I don't think it's something that's going to go away anytime soon. And I always encourage anybody that's that's interested in getting involved to get involved. And also, of course, you know, specific, particularly, I guess, if you are interested in becoming an actor, then this is a great stepping stone, isn't it? Because, you know, many different actors, you know, start at the time in acting 
uh, through through amateur athletic companies. Mm. Uh, David Jason, Del Boy, Ronnie Barker. Uh, you might people might know Ronnie Barker. Uh, Won't be surprised if maybe Ian McKellen he might have gone down the same route. Ian McKellen, I'm sure he did. Yeah, there's there's tons of them, absolutely tons of them that started in aromatic companies and then went on. One important thing though, and probably I'm being a little bit premature, but um, it shouldn't be expected when you go into aromatics that you're going to be snapped up by any sort of acting talent scout or anything like that. Or I know people aren't necessarily going to think that, but it's important to know that that those people aren't there. There aren't talent scouts in the aromatic world that are looking to do professional stuff generally speaking mm. anyway um, so you would have to it's up to you to, to, to use that as a step, stepping stone really to develop your skills and confidence and abilities and then and then you can use that skill set that you've developed to then put that in front of professional companies rather than rather than using amateur thematics to try to as a way as a direct route into professional acting uh, yeah, I suppose that's an important note to end off, and uh, it is important to know that you know amateur dramatics is there as, as a way to, like you said, to, to gain experience and to try out different roles. I mean, you know, you might have opportunities in amateur dramatics to try a role which you didn't know that you've actually got a great love for. So if there's any mm-hmm. if there's any road that could be a good good way into into professional acting, I suppose amateur dramatics is is a great one there, especially like you said, if there are a lot of places that want to pick people up, especially if they're younger, to give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree. Well, I want to thank you very much, Dad, for being on this podcast. It's been great having you. Which I've I, 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 I'm I'm got three more hours worth of material yet. <laughs> I didn't book you for that long. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. No, I thought you were going to ask me to sing a song. Speak to my manager. Speak to my manager. No, but uh, but no. Thanks very much. It's been. I think you know. It's it's good for people to hear about amateur dramatics, especially as you know, perhaps in in some circles um, of of the world, it's not as well known. And I think it's good for that knowledge to get out there. And if there are places nearby for people to get involved in, you know, just to just to give it a go. Like you said, there's lots of different things people can get involved in. Or even if they just want to watch a show uh, for a cheaper price than they get elsewhere, and maybe something for a little bit different. Yeah. One last thing to end on, by the way. If you really want to get involved in being on stage, but you've got zero talent, try and find a play in which you're able to get naked. Because uh, what? Because because being naked always always draws attention. You know, you won't be forgotten <laughs> if you get on stage. Particularly if the play doesn't actually require you to get naked, but you do it right. anyway. You know, in you're the bringing it. You're definitely bringing a spin on the idea that if you're nervous to picture the audience naked, your idea is just get naked just yourself get naked. and see what happens. Yeah, You'll soon be the centre of attention. Do you Great. know what I mean? Despite Great. you could be the worst actor, you could be standing next to uh, Ian get on the or, news. or whatever, and yeah. if you take your clothes off, you're going to get there. The you attention. go. Advice, advice from my father there, everyone. Uh, and just, for, just, just, just to know, in my next play in October, I'll be doing just that. It's one of the two hundred No, no one go and see. No one go and. No. <laughs> all right well yeah uh, thanks for that dad appreciate that <laughs> all right buddy thanks for the interview it's been nice to talking to you no problem all right bye for now and th- th- thank you for your audience for listening